Hi, everybody. Welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford sitting next to my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, we have to begin this show talking about magic numbers because <laughs> 300 is a pretty good batting average for a baseball player. It it's a perfect game in bowling. It's a pretty good day passing for a quarterback, 300 passing yards. This is our 300th episode of Packers Unscripted. Congratulations, my friends. Thank we, you, we, Michael. Uh, we hit number 300. You know, and it was one of those things that when you every great show starts up, Gunsmoke, <laughs> Seinfeld, whatever it is, you hope to someday reach those milestones, 100, 200, 300, and here we are, here Packers we are. Unscripted, and we did it in just two years. <laughs> 300. All right, well... <laughs> It's uh, 300 half hours of my life I don't get back. I guess that's one way to look at it. Anyway, I'm just kidding, my friend. Um, but we have another piece of news to talk about here because uh, since our last show, the Packers added yet another veteran player in, uh, I guess, what you call the late free agency period here in uh, offensive lineman Byron Bell, most recently of the Dallas Cowboys, now a Green Bay Packer and a guy who, depending, as we've talked about, on the recovery of Brian Balaga from his ACL injury from last season, this is a guy who could be uh, in the mix to compete for a starting spot at right tackle for week one. Could be in the mix to start at a different bunch of different positions. He's played guard in the past as well, uh, going back to his time with the Tennessee Titans. I think he started seven games at guard that year. He played both spots when he started in Carolina. A very experienced guy, still only 29 years old, six foot five, 320 pounds. Certainly passed the eye test uh, in that regard. And he's a guy, too, the Packers have had interest in in the past. I mean, I wrote about this in the five things to know about him story on Packers.com. Uh, he was in for a visit last year, uh, right before, I think it was right after the free agency started. Yeah. A week later, he ends up signing with Dallas, where he backed up Tyron Smith last year at left tackle and made two spot starts. So a wealth of experience has started 74 career regular season games out of the 90 that he's played. So this is a guy that came in as an undrafted free agent with the, with the Panthers in 2011 and ended up starting 12 games for him right away, the first one of those being against the Packers. So he's been in the league for a long time, knows all the tricks, and, and now he's going to see what he adds to all these competitions. Yeah, an undrafted guy who definitely is, uh, has made his way in this league, as you mentioned, uh, became a starter fairly early on yeah. with, uh, with Carolina. Yeah, and you wonder, and I don't know this, this, this is just me speculating a little bit, but with him coming in for a visit last year as a potential free agent coming into Green Bay, for a visit, you wonder if the Packers were looking at him potentially as a starter at guard, right. because that would have been before Jari Evans had signed, because Evans didn't sign until closer to the draft at the end of April. So um, nonetheless, a player the Packers have had their eye on a little bit and, uh, and an opportunity to bring him in. If he is going to compete at right tackle, It'll be Jason Spriggs, Kyle Murphy, those guys we've talked about. I also look at this move because we talked about Justin McRae on our last show. I think this is another move potentially that sends an even stronger signal that Justin McRae is going to get the bulk of his work at guard yeah, and get an right. opportunity to start at guard there because you're bringing in a guy who the uh, the majority of his experience in the NFL is at tackle. When I worked at McDonald's, this is going back many years now, 12, 14 years ago. Not as many as you think, but when I, yeah, go ahead. When <laughs> I started there, they put me on everything. I was working fries. I was working drive through front desk, uh, cleaning the parking lot, whatever they needed me to do. Eventually, I settled in as the morning cook. 
And that was okay. the position that I played for a number of years. You were the Egg McMuffin guy. Huh? Exactly. Okay. And I look at the Justin McCray as a very similar situation. This is a guy that played all over the place last year. James Campen taught him how to play center. He'd never played center before. He was a natural right guard, but he ended up starting however many games that was at right tackle. They saw a lot they liked in Justin McCray, but it is probably time for him now to settle in and focus on one position because at the end of the day, the job is always the same. The, the goals are always the same. These guys want to start in this league, and I think everybody would agree Justin McCray's best chance to be a long-term starter is probably going to be at the guard position. Packers drafted two tackles two years ago. Jo uh, jo uh, Jason Spriggs, who's made a big change in his body. Yep. Kyle Murphy coming back off injury. And Brian Balog is one of the best there is at right tackle. So a lot of things have to get shuffled out there. What you get, though, in Byron Bell now is a player, a veteran that comes in and can fill in a number of different spots and really compete to push all those other guys that are now trying to you know, get a hold on a roster spot. Yeah, and for all the trouble the Packers had last year with getting settled on the offensive line, it was nobody's fault, injuries happen, guys are shuffling around, moving around. If there's a benefit to it, it's certainly the experience that guys got because we don't know how this roster is going to shake out, how the depth chart is going to shake out at the end of training camp in the preseason. But you just look at all these guys we're talking about, McCray, Lucas Patrick, uh, Jason Spriggs, Kyle Murphy, Byron Bell, whoever ends up starting, whoever, and you know, and this again, assuming Brian Balog is not back for week one, which there's always a chance that he could be, but whoever ends up starting week one and whoever ends up being the backups at the start of the season, everybody's played now. Exactly. These guys have experience. They've been, they've been there and done that at least a little bit, and that's going to matter if potentially more injuries strike down the road. Because look at Justin McCray. I mean, this is a guy that was a long shot to make the roster last year. He ends up kind of getting his foot in the door as the backup center. It's really the only position he ended up not playing during the season. Lucas Patrick was a fringe guy who ended up making the roster. You don't know what the roster is going to look like by the end of August, but you can prepare for different scenarios. I think this is another thing the Packers are doing to really give themselves that kind of cushion. Yeah, no doubt about it. With that, we're going to go to a break. Back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford in this chair, Wes Hodkowitz in that one. And Wes, we ended the last segment talking about experience and depth that the Packers are, are starting to develop here on what appears to be the right side of the offensive line. There's another position that the Packers probably have more experience maybe than they've ever had at this stage. And I'm talking about tight end. We, we discussed the addition of Mercedes Lewis in our last episode. But when you look at the tight end group as a whole, you've got the young guys, Emmanuel Bird, Robert Tanya, and a couple of other young guys who are trying to make their way. But the three guys at the top of the depth chart right now, in whatever order you want to put them in, Jimmy Graham, Lance Kendricks, Mercedes Lewis, that's an awfully experienced group that has a lot of games under their belt in this league. Yeah, over 30 years of experience all told there. And uh, I think the, the thing about that really I don't want to say stunned me the most about the Mercedes Lewis signing is the really the reality afterwards that, yeah, you already do have Jimmy Graham with nine years and, and now uh, Lance Kendricks with seven or eight under his belt. And yeah. now you get Lewis coming in and, and obviously still playing at a high level at 34 in year 13. So it's going to be interesting to watch all these, these chips fall. But the fact that they have as many moving pieces as they have, and Mike McCarthy addressed it when he met with the, the media on Thursday morning, 
they're going to be able to do different ty- types types of things now with Jimmy Graham. The versatility and, and how they're going to be able to use these guys around and the you know really the different pieces that they have to work with in those two tight end packages. It's going to be something he's never really ha- had before. Yeah. And I honestly was you know wrapping my brain around it too. I mean, I would say it's probably what the late nineties since Chimura, Keith Jackson, maybe Tyron Davis or it was that yeah a- Tyrone Davis. Yeah. Maybe that is a comparable group. Uh, but I mean, in terms of their accolades too, I mean. First round pick for Lewis. Second rounder was Lance Kendricks. Uh, Jimmy Graham's a five-time Pro Bowler. There is a lot of experience, a lot of accomplishments among that group. Yeah, one of the interesting comments that McCarthy had, I thought, in talking about Lewis, because you know Mike McCarthy likes tight ends. He talks about that all the time. And he said, yeah, this is a guy who can block any defensive end in the league. Now, we were not specifically talking about necessarily protecting the quarterback, but in terms of blocking setting the edge for the running game you know being able to do something on the edge against a against a defensive end with the running game with uh with a tight end which then obviously frees up other linemen for for other assignments on the second level things like that I think a guy like Lewis I think McCarthy has wanted a tight end like this for a while it's a big reason they brought in Martellus Bennett last year it didn't work out but his blocking ability was definitely something that attracted the Packers to that acquisition and I think it's what uh, it's what attracted them to Mercedes Lewis they're they're giving it another shot here and uh, um, and I know McCarthy's excited about it and let's be honest too I mean Mercedes Lewis has been in Jacksonville for 12 years he was a former first round pick and they remain committed through him through other coaches yeah. uh, changes different schemes different running backs he was the constant. He started all 16 games last year. I think this year they felt a need, a desire to get a little bit younger at that position, but certainly he did not wear out his welcome by any means. This is a guy that I think they hold in very high regard in Jacksonville. Now he gets a chance to try something different, to get in a different scheme, to see what he can bring to this offense. I think we haven't, at the time in which we're taping this, we haven't had a chance to talk to him yet. But based on his Instagram account and just the excitement in signing that contract, you can tell this is something that has rejuvenated him a little bit. And now coming to Green Bay, getting the opportunity to be in that room with Jimmy Graham and Lance Kendricks, I'm really interested to see what it you know develops from it. And, and Brian Angelico, you go to his track record of developing tight ends and you know the Gary Barnages of the world. Yeah, uh, absolutely. He, he has three remarkable athletes to work with now. And also being able to teach those different concepts, whether it is as an inline tight end or splitting these guys out wide. Just a lot of versatility. And, and then also for those young guys, the Emmanuel Birds in that room, a lot of guys to learn from as well. Yeah, another interesting aspect with the addition of Lewis, because he knows, he, I'm sure he's a realist, he knows he doesn't have a lot of years left in this league as long as he has played. But last year he came oh so close yeah. to getting to a Super Bowl. And uh, and again, the different types of motivations for different players, but you got to believe that is a huge motivator for him right now at this stage of his career and then coming to a team with Aaron Rodgers. And how many times did he have to go through a rebuild in Jacksonville? <laughs> now, they did make the playoffs with Jack Del Rio. I think it was in 2007 or 2008. Been a while ago. Yeah. But, I mean, to, to go through all those losing seasons and now having the chance to get that close, he keeps him right in that race now. And, and certainly by no measure – I mean, this is the most accomplished – quarterback he's going to be working with now too oh no in Aaron Rodgers so trying to put all that together you have to put it out on the field we'll have to see what happens in training camp but you you do have to like the signing because of how he complements the other pieces in that room yeah I would agree with that we're going to go to another break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this
Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford here, Wes Hodkowitz over there. Wes, shifting gears to the defensive side of the ball. We talked before as we got into OTAs here with the Packers about this is the installation phase of the offseason. They're installing the playbooks both on offense and defense. There's been some changes, obviously, on the offensive side, the bigger change on the defensive side with a new coordinator, a whole new system that Mike Pettin is is putting in. Just to kind of, I guess, explain how this process works a little bit, Mike McCarthy talked about how right now in OTAs, this is actually the third time that the players are going through the installation. Now the first time really um, at this level in the 11-on-11 setting on the field during OTA workouts, offense versus defense, but they go through a whole installation in the classroom, and then they do another whole installation of the playbook in sort of a walk-through, jog-through setting without anybody on offense on the other side, but the defensive players um, going through a walk-through setting. So this is sort of installation number three in uh, in the sequence, and then training camp in essence becomes another review and and installation number four. So it's there's a lot of repetition to this, but in different settings that right. allow the players to to process everything in the playbook in different ways. You know, I kind of think of it as like a musical or a play. Uh, I, I know you, you go over the years and the history, the the work that goes into it to memorize the lines and the the scenes and everything like that, and then you have the performance. And I think ultimately that that final performance is training camp. That's where the Packers are trying to get to. That's not to say it's going to be perfect, but it's that you're prepared and you can hit the ground running once July 26 comes around. Uh, yeah, I mean, there's a lot of veterans here that I think are still going to have to you know learn some new terminology and learn some new things, but it's really for those younger players on the roster to understand what Mike Pettin's going to be asking of them and exactly how they're going to have to be utilized. Because I think for even guys like Clay Matthews and Mike Daniels, they've been in the league so long, they've seen so many different concepts by now, They've said there's going to be some terminology changing, but for the most part, football's football. It's these young guys now who have not been in the offensive or defensive scheme so far that have to see that jump from the college level to the pros. And that's what these three orientations, whatever you want to call it, really come down to. Yeah, and that's the added challenge for the rookies because they miss some of that initial classroom work and some of that walk-through and jog-through work simply because they're not here yet. And they go through their rookie orientation just getting acclimated to how the Packers practice, what the day is structured like for the in terms of the meetings and the practice field and when you eat your meals and, and all of that kind of stuff. So then when they start going through the installations, the veteran players, even when it's a brand new system like Mike Pettin's, the veteran players already have a bit of a head start yeah. on them. So that's where the, the the challenge is for the rookies to try to absorb as much as they can between now and the end of minicamp. And they'll have some days, uh, certainly in minicamp, there's usually a review day where the veterans are excused and the rookies, so, it, the practice is solely focused on the rookies and the younger players. But to try to absorb as much as they can so then after the break, when they come back at the start of training camp, they're not quite as far behind as they were when they first got here. Right. You're a pretty big baseball fan, right? I think oh, yeah. there's that one gimmick uh, one of the teams does, like where it's catch the freeze or catch the flash or whatever it is, where the guy, you give the fan the running head start, and then the guy comes around and just laps them pretty much. Right? Yeah. The first, you know, goes around the outfield. I kind of look at that a little bit like with the veterans and the rookies, and, and I think a good example of that is like Justin McCray again last year. He signed on March 29th, so he had two or three weeks to kind of get a head start on all those incoming rookies. He got that, and he held them off throughout that. 
that. Right. A lot of right. times you get those guys that have that experience. It's about how quickly those rookies can close the gap. Some are able to do it, some don't. But whatever the case may be, it is really about making sure that you're ready, you're good to go once July rolls around because that's when the coaches are expecting not exactly perfection because, again, there's always going to be some room for error and there's going to be an understanding that everyone's human. But knowing what your assignments are, knowing what that playbook is, and being able to keep pace with those installs because now it's real. Now you got 20 practices practices until the games matter. And I think that's going to be the ultimate thing for these young guys coming in is understanding that. The one thing they have going for them, though, the fact that they got rid of that college rule that no longer uh, requires, like, players on the West Coast yeah, the trimesters the, to be right, away. Right, the guys on the different, the, the guys on the different college yeah. calendars, so you, they don't have to stay away anymore. And that's, if that, they don't that's, have their degree. So they're here yeah, now. That's so that's thing. the nice thing. You have 90 players. See, uh, you know, who the best man may win. Yeah, and you mentioned the coaches have the expectations come training camp. The veteran players also do as well. The right. Aaron Rodgers, the Clay Matthews, the Mike Daniels of the world. It's like, hey, we're not waiting around anymore. This isn't time to learn. This is time to go. This is time to get ready to play football in September. And I think Kenny Clarkler, I remember that with Mike Daniels <laughs> when he came out there and Daniels is barking and hollering. The game changes once those training camp practices start up. Yeah, no question about it. With that, we'll go to a break back with more on Packers Unscripted right after this. Welcome back to Packers Unscripted. Mike Spofford alongside Wes Hodkiewicz. And Wes, before we go, there are times on this show where we have talked about the power of social media and how it changes our perceptions of the world. We find out things that we probably otherwise never would have known about. And there was a little uh, story along those lines that happened this past week with uh, Packers running back Aaron Jones. I'll let you fill everybody in well this is what's fun about this uh mike mccarthy even said it you know it's it's one thing for the public to see these sides of these people but you know a lot of times when you work behind the scenes or or you know them uh it's not a surprise at all i kind of get that feeling already because of just all the stories i've done on aaron jones (laughs) and how many family members i've talked to and friends i've talked to about him uh but this did not surprise me at all the, the story the background of it is he was flying back into green bay mind you he was getting in a day early too uh for otas so he wasn't going to risk not, you know, a potential plane delay. He was getting in a nice two days early. Um, and he was, I presume, going back to his car from the Appleton Airport or, you know, whatever the connection may be. And there was an older lady there that, that was uh, in a wheelchair. And, and I, you know, if you know airports, usually guys will come around, like workers will come around and push them. But she didn't have anybody to help her, I presume, after she got off her flight. Aaron Jones stepped up and pushed her to that destination. Unbeknownst to him... There was evidently a Packer fan, because they identified him as Aaron Jones, uh, that was sitting in the airport and flashed a quick picture of him. Uh, and, and, you know, just a, a very small form of generosity. Obviously, it didn't require much from him, but for him to step up in that way, uh, I think says a lot about him. And if you know anything about his upbringing and his parents' background in the military and military family, uh, that's the way him and his uh, twin brother, Alvin Jr., were raised. Yeah, they absolutely were. And that's that's what I like about these types of stories, because... Aaron Jones didn't take the picture, yeah. and he didn't do what he did because he's a Green Bay Packer. He did what he did because he's Aaron Jones, yeah, yeah. and that's that is just who he is, and and his upbringing, and and you know the military, um, you know the discipline, and and everything that goes along with that. Just how he was raised by by his parents, and as you said, you've talked to 
his twin brother. You've talked to others involved in the family. There's uh, There are a lot of stories, I think, about Aaron Jones that we don't even know about right. that are probably very similar to this, that, that, you know, without somebody snapping that picture and putting it out on, on social media, we'd never know about it. And Aaron Jones would be totally fine with that. He's going to, yeah. he's getting some attention for this now, probably doesn't want it necessarily, but he'll also take it in stride. He's also, and we've only been around him for one year now, but I think in my opinion, uh, he ranks right up there as far as being one of the most genuine players you're going to be around. Uh, Aaron Jones, not to say this is, you know, case with a lot of people, but I mean, Aaron Jones, when the camera goes on, the camera goes off. He's the same guy. He's very gregarious. Uh, I wouldn't say necessarily outgoing. I think he's slightly introverted, but uh, a very positive uh, and, you know, cooperative uh, dude. I think you could ask any beat writer that uh, just really goes about his way, um, understands the job that's required of him, what's expected of him. Uh, and, and lives up to that. And he just also happens to be a pretty heck of a good football player, too. Yeah, where, um, do, where do you think his second season is going? Because I thought, I mean, for as much promise as Jamal Williams showed, yeah. and, you know, we haven't necessarily seen a whole lot of Devontae Mays yet, but in terms of those three rookie running backs that came in last year, if you give me one word to describe Aaron Jones that maybe separates him from the other two, the word to me is explosive. I was going to say the same thing. And, He's and, and I, I'm really curious to see just where his second season goes here with the Packers. You know, and talking to so many people, Mike, Will Hernandez among them at the NFL scouting combine, everybody uses that word uh, to describe him. It's just, it's so, it, it goes with his style. That's just his style. He's explosive. It's going to be a great battle. I think it's going to be the best position camp battle that the Packers have. Um, and all three of those guys, Ty Montgomery included, are going to have roles on this team. But who's going to be the guy that can be counted on for all three downs that they can roll with in a, in a key two-minute situation? That's what Aaron Jones needs to rise up to right now because the talent is obviously there. Yeah, and when the Packers get into that no huddle and stuff like that, they want to have that one guy on the field totally. for all the plays. But with that, we're going to sign off on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team on Packers.com. On Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We'll see you next time.